I'm reading a very familiar passage found in John 6. And it reads this way. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to all the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. God, I come to you right now. God, I ask that you would guard my heart, guard my tongue. Holy Spirit, you say what needs to be said. You do what needs to be done. God, I'm relying totally on you. Holy Spirit, don't just speak through me. Continue to speak to me. Keep me sensitive. You lead, I'll follow. It's in Christ's name I pray everyone agrees. Said, amen. So this has been a fairly interesting week in the world of sports. Uh, uh, besides the big game coming up, uh, Tom Brady got so disheartened that the Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl. He just decided to up and retire. He was like, I'm done. I give up. I'm finished. But when Tom Brady decided to retire, it started all this conversation this week. Who is the greatest athlete of all time? And everybody had their criteria. They would talk about maybe it's Serena. Maybe it's Michael Jordan. Somebody said LeBron James. Ugh, overrated. Um, they would pull all these things. Some even said it was Tom Brady. But but there was one name that I did not hear at all. I never hear about him. I never hear it mentioned. I'm good. I never hear it talked about. But there was one person for me. And I'm like, I get it. I don't I get why we don't say it. But I think we'd be missing out. You know who that is? Shaquille O'Neal. For those of you who don't know, like y'all may know him as the Papa John's guy. You may know him, you know, he on, on the NBA TV, on, on TNT and all that type of stuff. But when I was a kid, Shaquille O'Neal had to be one of the most dominant basketball players I had ever seen. Like he was like seven foot three, 391 pounds, something crazy like that. Shaq would literally get the ball. They could just throw it to him. He would catch the ball. He could turn and he could just dunk it. There was nothing you could do to stop him. This would go on for years and years and years. In 2000, he's with the Lakers. They won a championship. 2001, Lakers championship. 2002, Lakers championship. Three times, finals MVP. He is unstoppable. But the beginning of the next basketball season, he ran into a problem. All of a sudden, he wasn't quite as explosive. He didn't move quite as well. Now, mind you, Shaq, seven foot seven, 580 pounds. He's a massive man. He's huge. Do you realize in that season, there was one thing that kept him from being good? A toe. Shaquille O'Neal, eight feet tall, 797 pounds. All of this body and one toe 
kept him from being effective. One toe, they don't win a championship. One toe, he missed game after game after game. One toe, and it derails his career. Could he still play? Sure. I don't know if you noticed, he still had nine other toes. But that one toe messed everything up. Now, I'm sure Shaquille O'Neal's toe is probably like 11 feet long. It's probably bigger than the average toe. But it was still one toe. See, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, hold up. What's the toe? You don't shoot with your toe? Like, literally. But do you understand that in a body, if one part is not functioning correctly, it hinders the whole thing? No matter how insignificant it may seem, when one part is not fully healthy, the whole body suffers. The reason I'm saying that is because oftentimes we come into a church and we assume that this place is too big and it's too great for me and there's no place for me. And you may be concerned that you may only be a toe in the body of Christ. Guess what? We need all our toes functioning at high capacity. Every part matters. See, I'm not trying to talk to y'all about, hey, God has a call for you. You know that. The problem is many of us make our call so small because we don't understand how deeply valued we are by God. Let me help you out. There are no small people in the kingdom of God, only small vision. No matter how insignificant you may feel you are, that the whole body cannot function properly, even if it's one toe not doing what it needs to do. See, Scripture says this way, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do you understand that it is connection to the kingdom where you get your needs met? But you have to understand what's the purpose of the kingdom. The purpose of the kingdom is so that God be known, his power be seen, Jesus is glorified, and people come to know him. And God has chose the local church, people sitting in church week after week, not to sit in a seat, but to take what they get in the seat to go out into the street and bring people closer to him. So you got to understand, like literally, the church itself, the big C church, it can be a mess. You know why it can be a mess? Because we here. We, ooh, Jesus. You know, God can get a whole lot done if he didn't use us. Yet, he still chooses to work through people. This is why it is very important that you are connected to a local church, a body that can pray for you, a body that can support you, but a body that can position you to be used by God. See, Scripture says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You have to be planted somewhere so that you can grow. Mind you, week after week, what have I said? If you want to go where God wants you to go this year, we are going to have to grow. What we did last year is not enough. If you want to see God do more, then you're going to have to do more to get closer to God. So when we think about all of these things, we say, okay, God, what are you doing? Well, let me help you out. See, because I say you have to understand this is not just about telling you you need to serve. I could care less if you serve. I want you to love people. See, here's the thing. This is what I know. I believe that God has a big vision for this church. I'm about to say something that's going to mess with some of y'all. We are all about building big church. I didn't say big buildings. 
Scripture says that we are the temple. So when I talk about building a big church, I'm talking about building this so that God can make room for us to go out there and make a big difference. A lot of big churches, a lot of dead folks in it won't be here. A lot of people going to church every week and their life ain't no different. It won't be here. A lot of people can quote scripture, but they can't see the power of their life. It won't be here. So if you understand that what we are doing, we're not about trying to put people in the seats. We're trying to pack out heaven. Our goal is to make Philadelphia, Bucks County, the hardest place for people to go to hell. We will love extremely because we have been extremely loved by God and understand this. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for the kingdom of God. See, scripture says it this way. Let us think of ways. Be creative. To motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Can I talk about now? I don't know if many of you watch the news. My wife will get up in the morning and depress me by turning on the news in the bedroom. Woman right here. Bad, bad, bad Helen, bad Helen. And literally it's story after story after story of depression. Then the local news is followed by the national news to tell us how depressing things are coming. There's a recession down now. I'm like, I ain't figured out here. Why are we talking down there now? But what I believe is this. It's the same God that I have to trust to get me there. Offer me peace right here. If I get close to him, especially now, I need a community of believers that can help build my faith, keep me focused, see the goodness of God. And we motivate each other to keep moving forward when it seems so hard. See, that is what we do church for. This ain't just something to hold a spot till next week. We are building something that is going to outlive us, outreach us, but it's going to fill up the kingdom of heaven. I believe that God says he can trust you with people to be reached for the kingdom. See, this is why I love this story. Story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, this is one of the few stories in the Bible that you're going to find in all four Gospels. A lot of Jesus' miracles, they mention some in Matthew, some in Mark, some in Luke and John, but this is the only one that is mentioned in all four. Now, now some people, let's give a little bit of theology real quick, because some of y'all are new, and y'all been asking me questions, so I want to help you grow. I want to help you get to where you need to go. So you're like, well, Trey, how can I trust the Bible? Because it seems like they're saying different stuff, right? Okay, let me help you out. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Four individuals. And they saw the story a little bit different. So they told some things. They say they write into specific people about specific things. So we're going to highlight this part. We mentioned this miracle. This makes more sense to the people that I'm writing. But the truth of it has not changed. Christ came. Christ lived a perfect life. He did miracles. He died. He rose again. That's consistent. And let me put it to you this way. Let me give you a better example. Uh, last week, the Eagles played a game. As an Eagle fan, what did I see? Well, I saw a dominating run game. I saw an overwhelming defense, and I just saw a better team. If you're a hater, you'll be like, oh, the quarterback got hurt. Uh-uh. It's all about perception. Brock Purdy didn't stand a chance. No way. He could have been healthy. Still don't get beat up. Sorry. Love you, Brock. 
But the outcome is still the same, but how you choose to tell the story based on your vantage point may be a difference. So do not allow yourself reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and say, well, hold up, why didn't John say what Luke said? John was looking at it a little bit differently. Think of it kind of like when you're dealing with your spouse. They just wrong. <laughs> See it my way. But this is the only story, this is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. And as they're telling it, it says that Jesus was trying to get away. In fact, if you go back one chapter, what you will learn is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. Jesus is sad. And so Jesus is literally trying to be like, look, I just need some time by myself. And the people will not stop following him. Nobody asked Jesus what was going on. They just follow him everywhere Jesus go. They still coming. So finally, Jesus says he looks at the crowd. And it says in Luke's version that he had compassion for the crowd. So when he saw all the people, he said, OK. They've been following me all day long. And I don't know if you've ever been to a Jesus church service. When he preached, y'all, y'all be looking at me with 25 minutes. Jesus be going like hours. That dude then preached 19 chapters. Like literally, we'll still be here till kickoff if Jesus was up here. And because Jesus had been preaching for so long, they were like, okay, it's getting late. These folks are hungry. The disciples said, send them home. And Jesus like, no, you feed them. And they began like, okay, I got five. You got 10. Okay. I got 18 cents. How much you going to call? $100,000. If we worked a year, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. But they said there was a boy there with a lunch. Five loaves of bread, two fish. They bring it to Jesus. Jesus said, everybody sit down. He does a miracle and everybody is fed. But I want to go back for a second. The scripture says, that when the disciples saw the crowd, they said, send them away. And this is where we get a little bit iffy in church, because can I be honest with you? Crowds bring problems. People bring issues. So oftentimes we can say we care about them. The disciples said, send them away. And Jesus is like, no, nah. can I tell you why you, you don't want to send them away? Because I need you to feed them. You need me to do something to you? That's going to cause work. Jesus, we ain't feeding ourselves yet. How going to feed somebody else? I'll show you what Jesus thinks, though. The scripture says don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Hmm. Jesus says, no, no, no. We need to do something. I see a need. See, the disciples saw a need and said, we need to get away from the need. Jesus saw the need and said, let's move toward the need. Can I help you out? In this city, the reason we have decided to love people is because we see a need and we're going to do everything we can to keep moving toward that need. We're going to say, hey, you need to find some love. We're going to be the most loving church in all the world. Come here. We can meet that need. We are building a church that's a hospital, not a country club. And we have to understand that that's going to cause some people to come here that got some problems. Well, guess what? I don't care what their problem is. Jesus is the answer. And so till we get to that point. Well, we can look at the pains of people and Jesus can say, no, no, no. I put you there to address what they're going through. You will never walk into your purpose. See, it would have been easy. Go away. But then they say this little boy got this little sorry lunch. Five loaves of bread, two fish. 
Now, I don't know what y'all thinking. Like, so if you think about a loaf of bread, there's this part like when you open the bread that's on the end that my mom called a butt in. We don't eat that. Like, I don't know. Somebody told me last week, oh, that's the best part. Ugh, no, it's not. It's the weirdest part. We like throw that away. This bread ain't even the butt end of the loaf. Scripture says it's barley loaves. Give them five of them. This is the stuff you give to the animals. This is the trash bread. This is what this young man has. Oh, and it says he has two fish. You may be thinking catfish. You may even be thinking tilapia, which is a made up fish. I don't know where it came from all of a sudden. No, 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 no. When you study it out scripturally, you're talking about like two sardines. Yeah. So so he ain't he ain't got no no big spread. He only got enough that it fitted his two hands. Yet what he had seemed small, but it didn't stop him from offering it to Jesus. See, here's where we get in trouble. We want our own buffet and then we feel like it's worthy of Jesus. Jesus says, won't you just give me what you got? How about that little bit? See, see, some of us feel like what we have to offer is too small. My past is too jacked up. My current ain't the best it should be. And my future ain't looking too bright. I done made too many mistakes. Can you help? Can I help you out? So have I. And I'm only up here because God, for some reason, still chooses to use an idiot like me. Yet he says, if you will just give me what you have, why man may say it's not enough, why people don't tell you why you're good, not good enough, why people don't tell you you're a mistake, why people don't tell you to mess up. Jesus said, put it in my hands and let me do what I can do. See, catch this. What man considers meaningless, God deems essential. When we get to the place where we understand that God has something for me, in me, I know it don't seem like much to you, but you're not God. And what we have to do, we got to stop trying to tell God how to do his job. If God wants to do something through you, he ain't asking it to be much. He's saying, give me your little, let me be seen much. See, scripture says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Check it. It didn't say how big it was. It didn't say how small it was. It didn't say how valuable it was. It said whatever gift you have received. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Everybody's not called to preach. But everybody's called to minister. Everybody's not called to teach. But everybody's called to make a difference. And the thing is that God has this plan of using us, the local church and people, to make a difference in this world. Not just to get a bunch of folks in a room. See, let me show you something. I have to say to this young man, he was he was bold. Notice this. That was all he had. But the scripture says that everybody was full. You know what that means? What he gave to Jesus wasn't enough at the beginning, but he was full when it was over. If you understand what you have may not be enough in the beginning, you put it in the hand of Jesus, it's going to be more than enough when it's over. You can see the provision of God when it's over. His mom sent him out with this little bitty lunch and he came back with his stomach poking out and he's so full. What are you full of? I met Jesus today. <laughs> that Jesus can make much out of what one of us see as little. See, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. This is what I love about this church. I believe we are uniquely positioned to be different in this world. 
I believe that God has called each and every person that comes here and says, I'm a part of this. We are salt and light to make a difference in this world. You can talk about how messed up the world is. We can talk about how messed up Philadelphia is. Or we can say, Jesus, use me and we can watch the whole thing change. But you have to understand there are no small parts. to small thinking. See, the scripture says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, Serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have gifts for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Catch this part. This is what we want to understand. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. See, I'm not trying to get you to serve people. I'm trying to get you to love people. That's what we're called to do. I am called to love people enough because I understand how great his love is for me. And if I truly understand how great his love is for me, I can't hold on to it. I want everybody else to experience it, too. But let me show you something else that that caught me when I was upstairs. It wasn't in my notes. I just happened to read right before I came downstairs during the first service and it jumped off the page. The scripture says the disciples say, what good is this little bit? It goes to Jesus. Jesus tells the disciples, tell everyone to sit down. Jesus hasn't prayed yet. Jesus hasn't blessed nothing yet. Jesus hasn't multiplied anything yet. But he told them to sit down. He tells the disciples who have no clue what he's doing to tell the people to sit down. Let me help you out. Many of us want the provision of God. God has to position you first before you receive the provision. The obedience to sit down when you don't see nothing. Even for the disciples, the obedience to tell people to sit down when they don't know what's going to be happening. Because you have to understand that purpose is a byproduct of obedience. If I'm in my purpose, God can work through me to position people so they can see God's power, his provision, and experience his peace. If you are not in the correct position, you won't receive his provision. When we are called to be obedient and do what he's saying, God is looking for people that he can work through, get a message through, to position people to a place where they can experience his provision, his peace, and everything through all of these circumstances. Somebody had to tell them to sit down. Can I be honest with you? God be telling me stuff sometimes, legit. I don't want to say it. I'm like, well, well, what are we going to do? Tell me what's going to happen first. Before I go out here like an idiot, everybody sit down. I ain't called and made one order. (laughs) Ain't no food. I don't know. But it's not my place to know. It's my place to be obedient. If you understand that God is trying to use you with purpose to also position others so they can experience God's provision.
so they can experience God's pleasure, so they can experience God's grace, so they can experience God's peace. Your purpose is to help other people get in position. But you can't tell somebody to get into a position that you ain't willing to go first. God doesn't need us, but he still chooses us. And yet there's a lot of work to do. I'm telling you, I'm excited. God, wherever you want us to go, we're going to go. God, where you want us to stand, we're going to stand. God, where you want us to sit, we're going to sit. God, we're going to be obedient to you because this is what I believe. God is going to do exceedingly abundantly farther all we can ask or think. I had a young lady reach out to me after the first service and she said, uh, she emailed me and she said she didn't realize that she had a purpose. She is 47 years old and today she says she has a purpose. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you're two years old. I don't care if you're 200 years old. Purpose starts when you just say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. And if we are willing to be who God has called us to be, then we'll see his glory like never before. My prayer is God position us to be prepared for our season of purpose. This is going to be the best year of your life. And what God does through you is not just for you, but a lot of people are going to see the glory of God because of you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we thank you. God, we don't take it for granted that you choose to work with us. God, keep us in a state of surrender. God, help us to have hope when we don't feel like we should. For those of us who don't feel good enough, God, we're not good enough, but God, you're more than enough. For those of us who need peace, who need grace, God, help us rely on you. Lean into who you would have us to be. God, you called us to be salt and light. God, make us difference makers, not just in our church, but in our homes, in our communities. God, everywhere we go, we pray that your glory be seen. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.